Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Monday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is August 7th. Joseph, how are we doing? Brendan! <laughs> I'm great. Uh, actually in the middle of, I believe, the longest consecutive streak of, of days of 100 degrees or more in Ooh. Austin, Texas history. So very good golf watching weather. Yeah, weather talk. That's great. You know how to fit right in with a little weather talk up front. You know, it's exactly. fulfilling the, Andy, the void of Andy... You know, telling us the Central California update of whether it's too hot in the shed or too cold in the shed. Never just right in the shed, it seems like. But uh, Andy is out. We just got to give a shout out for the reason he's out. He's flying back from Will Knights' wedding. So we got to shout out Mr. Will Knights, the new Mrs. Uh, Will Knights. I don't know if she took his name or not. Whatever. Uh, it kept her own name. Whatever it is. Shout out to the Knights, the happy couple. Shout out to Will, an essential part of the Friday. Keeps it all together. He, he keeps us behind the scenes much more than probably people realize. He keeps us together. So I wanted to shout out Will and congratulate him on the nuptials over the weekend. We'll have to get a report from Andy. Get some details on how that went down out in uh, beautiful Utah, I think. So nice, nice little mountain spot. So Joseph jumps in. You're familiar with his work on the Friday. Uh, where's your newsletter? Finding the Edge? Is that where people can yep, search that? It. Okay. Uh, so we're going to get through it. The end of the regular season on the PGA Tour. Thick boy, less thick, less than thick boy, jumping in, planting his flag early in the day with a 58. Little Ryder Cup buzz. Maybe we'll talk about that all of a sudden. Um, and, you know, the JT question. A little bit of drama at Wyndham, largely due to the name that was on the bubble. The precise bubble, as it would turn out. 71, last guy out. Um so it was not a bad Sunday or weekend of golf. We had Celine Boutier winning again, going back to back. Not a bad weekend of golf. What to you was the story of the day? What was most interesting to you? I guess I would put. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I, I think it's hard for me to differentiate between what was more interesting between the Bryson drama and the JT drama. So as somebody who pays a little bit more attention, frankly, to the PGA Tour, I watched... <laughs> I didn't watch any of the the live event other than the highlights. Right. Um, but I do think the nope. discussion, I guess the story of the day is the Ryder Cup, right? Isn't that kind of the story of the day? They hope so. I mean, they hope so. Yes. And that's, that's the lens, I think, with which, you know, when it's a Ryder Cup year, often how we view things, especially when it gets down to crunch time or it's an event that's not, you know, a major that's significant to talk about in and of itself, uh, you know, as significant as you know, maybe a Wyndham is less. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's the winner for me. I thought it was like, honest to God, I thought it was Bryson's 58. That's an insane round of golf with a bogey. I didn't watch much of it at all. It was on early. I was doing Sunday morning stuff with the family. They had pushed tee times up. 
like lives just not in my orbit as much. Um, you know, maybe that's my fault. If you want to criticize me for that, but I just haven't found it to be super like compelling yet. Uh, no. but this was, this was certainly a golf, but louder plant your flag moment. It was very cool. It was an insane round of golf, a very cool celebration, jumping around, jumping for joy, rolling in a bomb at 18 to break, not just 59, but, but 58. It was, a, it was a heady accomplishment that we should shout out. And, um, you know, where do you fall with? We had someone tweet at us. I'm not trying to downplay the 58. Stuart Appleby shot 59 there and win in 2010. Greenbrier yields some low numbers. Where do you fall with a sub 60 round when it's preferred lies? Oh, this, I might be going even the a wrong? little bit of a different direction. At, at this point, sub 60 rounds preferred lies or not. Like, I don't, I don't know if I care that much. This might be adjacent to like the, some of the anti hole in one talk, not thinking it's like, the most <laughs> cool thing ever, which I also agree with. This is not to poo poo Bryson's accomplishment, but like at yeah. this point we see guys get in the mix to shoot 59 frequently enough, especially on short, soft courses that it's cool. And I, I think Bryson's, an interesting story to talk about. I'm, I'm hoping we get into that a little bit on this pod, but yeah, I don't 59, 58, 60, 61. It doesn't this really, this isn't do an anti live thing. If somebody no, shot 58 at Wyndham, it would be a similar kind of, yeah, I don't, it, it doesn't get me out of my chair when I hear that a player has to make two birdies on the last three holes to shoot 59. Where are you? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Like if like you go out at your your muni or your club and you say you shot your personal best, like we don't play preferred lies. It's not a thing that exists in the real world for like we play with mud balls. Maybe there's some crazy monsoon and you have a member guest or a you know club championship and the pro walks out and he says you can, you know, lift clean and place them because it's so just soaked out there. But like, it's just certainly not a practice as we see a, a, a prevalence in professional golf, and I don't think it's been that much on live. But like, I don't know if I shot my personal best round and it was under preferred lies. I think I'd put a personal, I'd put like an asterisk next to it. I'm not a high level professional golfer. I don't know. I wouldn't feel told. Like, I just think it's, it's not full. It's not the full Monty. Is that fair to say? Am I being too? I I, I don't know. It, it, it adds an element. No, and I that's agree. a separate question from you saying sub 60 rounds are a dime a dozen <laughs> now anyways. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, it's not the exact same if you shoot a 59 or a 58 preferred lies or non-preferred lies. Also, generally when it's preferred lies, it's soft. So, But that's not even yeah. to discredit the 58. Yeah. It's like if he had shot 60 today, that's a story for was, me and, and won the event. It was cool. And I'd be thinking about it through the lens of the Ryder Cup. So if a couple putts don't fall, I, yeah, like, I don't want to have some dramatic different reaction. That said, being sub-60 creates some buzz. And I think <laughs> the, the social media engine, like trying right. to draw attention to that, it's way different shooting 58 than 60. But uh, no, I, I agree with the take that preferred lies... I don't know that puts an asterisk next to it because yeah no I'm not doing that but it is, there's a, it's a part of the story I guess a right picture. I don't right. know um, where do you fall with 58s shot we'll get to the Ryder Cup thing in a minute here where do you fall with 58s cobbled together with a driver made by Crank 
That's the capital K-R-A-N-K, Crank, whose work you may be familiar with if you're a lawn drive enthusiast. All those guys, you know, they're like 75-inch drivers and the big Crank and the K. And, you know, they, they're a loud brand on the lawn drive circuit or were when I dabbled with it in uh, wherever that was in Oklahoma. And he's been playing this the last few years, or I'm sorry, last few weeks. And he says, ever since I put this driver into play, it's not really been my golf swing. So, I mean, it's just he has no agency over the 58, it seems like. It's just the, the driver. It's just hit it on the toe, hit it on the heel. Everything comes back down the middle of the fairway. And I'm like, all right, let's go pick up the tee and let's go. The driver has been really nice. It's allowed me to have some time to myself after rounds instead of going and working my butt off all the time. I I love Bryson's candidness. Like his mouth just starts going sometimes. I think he's a pretty candid guy and sometimes it results in a lot of incoherence and just contradictions and dumb shit, but he also has some real real bright insight. One of which I'll say in a moment. Well, actually, I'll say it right now. He had another great quote tonight about talking about when you're a really good junior golfer. said, so you should go play the red tees. Go play the forward most uh, forward tee when you're like a really good young player. And it just gets you in this mindset of, you know, a KFT mindset. Pedal the metal. All right, birdie. No, another birdie. Another one. Gasp down. Pedal to the metal. You should do that if you're a junior golfer and you're listening. I love doing that. And it got me in a right mindset. I think that's one of those great Bryson insights when his mouth gets going. It, it, he's a good golf brain to listen to. Here's one that I appreciate him saying. Well, I'm the driver. Um, I'm not sure the USJ appreciates it or or even maybe Crank to a certain Crank probably loves it, but it should invite further scrutiny. No, I mean that's preposterous. I'm with you on all fronts. This is a disgraceful quote, but it's not Bryson's fault, right? It's it's yeah. on leadership to actually rein this in a little bit. And when a player is going out and telling you it's not his swing that's making the difference, it's the fact that you can swing hard and hit it anywhere on the driver face and it goes down the middle of the fairway. Maybe, maybe that should be a wake-up call that technology's gotten a little bit out of control. That said, I'm with you. I like Bryson's candidness. I think we joke around and this podcast jokes around about some of his stupid quotes and I agree with that too. But I don't... I think Bryson can be kind of an idiot. And there's other times when I think he has intelligent points. He makes intelligent decisions on the golf course. I do think he provides insight. So him being candid and saying it's not the swing, it's it's the way that I'm just smashing driver and it goes straight. I think it's illuminating. And I, I do appreciate him saying whatever comes to his mind. I I just like, I'm trying to think of this like in another sport. It's like, I don't have to work anymore. I don't have to do anything. It's like Tom Brady talking about the football. Oh, no, just like course corrects to the guys, the mag, the gloves. You know, there's there's a magnet in my receiver's glove. And like, you know, it, or this ball, I don't have to throw it. I have to worry about the arc I put on it. It just corrects in the air. Like, and this is, it's also like, I don't, I don't know. It's delegitimizing a little bit of Bryson's, god-given talent and skill like we'd he doesn't need this help he doesn't need to just swing and then pick up the tee and not worry about where it's going because he thinks it's coming back down the middle and like it's like a disservice to his talent in a way it's poignant right that the 58 comes on the same day as those quotes come out right and and for me (laughs) like i enjoyed some of the poetry of that all happening on the same day 
I'm, right. I'm with you. And I think some of the cross sport analogies, I am tempted to try those sometimes too. But I also think like we should treat golf as a unique sport. And some of those cross sport analogies fall apart sometimes. And it's time to just be a little bit more responsible about uh, technology in the game. So this was another example this weekend, but it's not Bryson's fault. I, I will never take issue with the player. It's the system. So let's rein it in a little yep. bit, but uh, pretty illuminating quotes about the crank fire LD driver, whatever it's called. <laughs> so he shoots 58. He wins live Greenbrier. He's now made the cut, I believe, in the last three majors, a T20 at the U.S. Open, played really well at Oak Hill, a T4. Um a pretty strong year, a couple top fives on live. I don't know what weight yet to assign those uh, three top fives actually since May. Um, he's playing well. I love that he's gone back to like some basics. He's slimmed down to what he was, you know, you know, similar to what he was. He brought Mike shy back in like his OG kind of mentor and coach and Jaime Diaz reported on that quite um, eloquently at, at Oak Hill. I think like, there's some good stuff happening with Bryson. It's great to have him on the stage on a day like the Justin Thomas discourse has never been the Ryder cup is just like a nonstop topic. I'm a little sick of it. He's done playing Justin Thomas. We're not going to see him play on the PGA tour until maybe he adds a fall event or something. Uh, I don't know when captain's picks are due probably before that really gets ramped up probably after after uh east lake and, and labor day but where i'll put it to you head to head like uh, is that a legitimate discussion right now bryson the the team is pretty chock full there with options is bryson not one of them Here, here's the thing i guess this is where i land i think Ryder cup discussion is really interesting this year in my mind they're the couple people who are kind of on the bubble. None of them have left no doubt this year, right? None of them have claimed that spot to where if you leave them off, it's criminal. And so I believe Bryson actually does belong in that conversation at this point. And as you fill out the bottom of this U.S. Ryder Cup team, I genuinely believe you can make as strong of a case for Bryson as basically any of these guys in that kind of 11, 12, 13 spot. Huge believer in Bryson's talent. Right, amazing 2018 season. That era was incredible. 2020 U.S. Open champion. Don't have to sell me on his talent. Between, if you if you only gave me Bryson or JT right now, I don't I don't have to think about that one too much. I'd rather have Bryson on the team than Justin Thomas. But there are other players that I think should be discussed too. And it's kind of it's one of those things where no one has left no doubt, like I already said. So you open yourself up to them picking somebody like Bryson. I don't know that they would do that, but I yeah. believe he warrants conversation. Absolutely. Where do you land? Um, yeah, I, I think it's, a. some people say he's not a good course fit, Marco Simone, but there've been some kind of grip it and rip it winners there on the European tour recently. Right. Marunk being one. The other Bobby thing is Mack. Bryson knows, knows when he needs yeah. to like take less than driver off the tee. So right. If he needs to, he could right. do that. But it is, the argument is that like so much of his sort of strokes gained advantage is done where that can be fully utilized and realized, or is that, do you know what I mean? Where, where like, I think that's his Go ahead. Well, I said, I think, I think that's legitimate, but at the same time, who are you comparing him to? 
And, and one right. of those names would be Colin Morikawa, who I would I would much rather have on the team. And I believe Colin Morikawa should have a spot in large part, not just because he's playing well, but because he does fit the course very well. Once you get outside of those some of those names, like we're not exactly comparing Bryson to these unbelievable course fits. Right. There's like a Cam Young uh, that, you know, he's kind of down near the end. Similar, I think Cam Young should probably, be. Okay. Why? Just based on the work he's done over the last two years? Match play, everything? Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I think Cam Young is one of the most talented uh, yeah. golfers in the sport. When he gets going, he went through a little rut, but if you, he's put together some incredibly strong performances this year. And when you compare, like, I think the case gets much weaker for players like Keegan Bradley, frankly. Yeah, he's if in you, there, yeah. If you look at Keegan Bradley's results this year, sorry, part of the reason that he's doing so well is because the point system is based off money, and he racked up a huge check at the Travelers Championship. If you go look at Keegan Bradley's season, is it significantly better than some of these other names we're talking about? I mean, Brendan, are you like, oh, yeah, for sure, Keegan, he'd show up and play? No. No, but I think like there's some for some reason there's some sort of like Ryder Cup association with him, you know, largely based off Medina and the Phil and a little bit at, at Glen Eagles. Um, then there was that like late push for him before Paris, which maybe might have in hindsight might not have been the worst thing, right? Elite like kind of tee to green player. Obviously, the putter is a, a separate issue. Um, but yeah, it feels like we're associating too much. Ryder Cup with him based on his just involvement in the past. Um, and yeah, one big pop at, at Travelers recently. Um, here are your here are your non-points qualifiers right now. I'll read them. You say, if they're auto, if they're for sure, no question, just say in. Max yeah. Homa. Yeah. I, I've, there's 10 for me that are for sure in. Max Homa is one of them. Cam Young. Yes. You said yes. Jordan Spieth. Yes. Keegan, we just discussed, seems like a TBD or a no. Um, Morikawa. Not a for sure yes for me. I think this needs to be, we need to let things play out a little bit and not be too definitive when there's so much golf left to be played. I'd lean yes on Morikawa, but wouldn't pencil it in yet. Ricky. And yes. that gets us to 12. We've now listed 12 guys. Ricky's a yes. Um, or six. Okay. So you've got... Four autos, Homa, Jan, Spieth, and Ricky. That gets us to 10 with Morikawa, a lean, likely. Um, Bradley, TBD. There are two others. Sam Burns is 13th. Is he in like the Bradley camp for you? He won the match play in Austin. I don't know that that meant. That seems to be, that's just like a data point people throw out. Where are you with Burns? Uh, it, I have six names that are not highlighted, which means they're not locked in. He's one of them. Yeah. yeah. I think Finau also belongs in the conversation, even though he hasn't been super strong recently. I believe he belongs in the conversation. He's 19th in points behind Harris English, Zalatoris, uh, who hasn't played. You know, obviously, the point some major points so, from. I know the point know. system is is messed up, though, Brandon. I mean, it's based on money, and right. Finau won four times in the last 13 months. Like that's not being reflected because some of those weren't large fields like Keegan's getting three and a half million dollars for winning the Travelers Championship that's a lot of points and that, that's not necessarily weighed appropriately when you're just trying to pick the best team yeah yeah which brings us to Justin Thomas who is 14th and uh you talk about sort of the whiplash of 
what we weigh, what we decide to not weigh, discard, are we overreacting to, you know, whatever it was at Liverpool? What was that, like an 80, 81, or whatever that was in the first round? A bad, bad number. Um, like, are we overreacting to that with another MC at a major? Um, MC's at 3M, uh, shows up at Sedgefield and plays quite well, really pushes to make the playoffs, comes up short to the last spot, really like the last hold, made the, the, Sunday quite interesting like that was you know Glover and Henley we'll get to in a minute but so much of the focus you go to I mean go to PGA Tour like social media it's all JT highlights it's all JT stuff non-stop and like the actual you know race to win the trophy was secondary but where I think we kind of I, I don't know how much to weigh this I think we overreact like People tweeting definitively look stupid, quite honestly. Like, oh, he's showing me enough. There's like, what? In, in two and a half, three days in Greensboro, he's showing you enough. And that's like going to matter for like September 27th. So Lucas Glover's I, on their team too? I, I don't know. Like, I just, that's the whole Ryder Cup analysis is is we, we, we get way too prisoner recency bias, uh, prisoner of the current moment whatever cliche you want to throw out there. I don't know. JT maybe deserves to be on the team for a host of reasons. Like three days in Greensboro, I don't know, is like pushes it over the line one way or another. Yeah, I I agree with you that we get way too definitive about like this player's a lock, this player's not. We still have a, a full few weeks to go. I think JT finishing 71st is the worst possible outcome for for like everyone involved here because it gives Zach the Johnson debate. the ability to be like, he showed me enough. It doesn't give yeah. Justin the opportunity to keep playing. It, it stinks for everyone involved. It really does. I, I respect the way Justin has handled a lot of this in showing I saw you up tweeting about that. Yeah. Showing up and playing. Like he he didn't he hasn't shied away from any of the interviews or anything about his struggles. He showed up, he yeah. played, he gave it all he got. If he gets picked as of now, I think it would be wrong. I would hold nothing against Justin. I, I would take issue with the captains doing that at the current moment. Um, and, and one thing, one thing I wanted to bring up with you, Brendan, that I guess this is a decent time to bring it up because you and Andy have talked okay. about uh, like Justin doing the charity event with Zach Johnson. Yeah. And that maybe yeah. rubbing you the wrong way a little bit. Some of the. Oh, I think there's just conspiracy. Yeah. Cons- it's a, it's a chance to be a little conspiratorial though, too. And, and, with a watch doggy. Yeah. One thing that I don't know if you guys mentioned that I think personally I have I have some thoughts on. There was an article in the the Kevin Van Valkenburg article about why Justin should make the team. Um, there's a little anecdote in there that I, that I think is stinky. On Go the ahead. open. Yeah. Okay. What was that? What's the anecdote? This is from nolaneup.com during the open, I think was when yeah. he wrote that. But go ahead. All Does right. it rub you the wrong way at all that Justin Thomas and Zach Johnson were rooming together at the Open Championship? Um, no, because they've really? done that for years. I mean, it's what do you think? It gives off the appearance of impropriety or cronyism. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but they've also they've been doing that. They've kind of done that when ZJ wasn't. I think they've done that for years. Like you don't think five, the six captain, years. That's, you don't think is the captain of the Ryder Cup in a year where it's contentious. You say, you know what, guys? I have to create some boundaries this year, and I'm not going to stay in the same 
house during a major championship with a player who's on the bubble. Like, am I crazy here? Am I making too much of something? I would like it confirmed that they were rooming for sure this year. He might have just been referring to him as roommate in general. Like they have been roommates. Like he's been a roommate of mine. Or it was pretty clear that it would it was going on at Liverpool. I think that's the way it was phrased. And maybe I'm okay. making a big stink about something that's small, but yeah. personally, I think that's a little bit stinky. <laughs> that's fine. That's uh, yeah. I, I the charity outing. I I don't know. It, it could. I I. I tend to fall with you that I kind of have really appreciated JT's the way he's like what's clearly maybe been the roughest year of his professional career on the course. I don't know off the course, maybe having a great life and settled and that'd be great. Um, But certainly probably the roughest stretch of his professional career on the course. I think he's been really, really good about it. Just being kind of an open book on it And, and, not being too dickish or grumpy, no. right? Um, so I just, like you said, it's the worst possible thing for this debate. Because um, we don't get to see him play now, too. I mean, Should he go he try to play in Europe? What do they have over there? there I mean, be, well... There will be some European players who are also trying to contend for a spot in those events i mean is it crazy for him to try to show up to a dp world tour event i well he had the quote that i'm sure fedex loves to hear is like i mean like i don't really care about the fedex cup i I take the Ryder cup 100 times over 100 i'm paraphrasing i don't remember the precise quote he's like i don't care about the fedex cup right now i want to just make the Ryder cup team i would do that i'm sorry that maybe not what you want to hear if you're the playoffs but that's what he was gunning for um yeah i would I'd maybe go somewhere. But of course the risk of that is like if he gets into Memphis and he shoots like 78, 76 and he's gone, or I guess there's no cut, whatever, which separate drama, you know, he plays like shit. That's another data point to do the whiplash reaction to. Right. Well, yeah, but what's, what's, what are you saying? No, I'm saying that there's, no, I think, Oh, Maybe yeah, maybe just rest on your uh, rest on your solid showing in Greensboro and let that, as opposed to run the risk of blowing up at the Maid in Himmerland or something like that. I, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know, but I don't. I personally think it's very hard to make the case that he is one of the twelve most deserving players. He played well in Paris, and this they may set the course up similarly to that. And I so from that perspective, that's kind of a tally in his favor but uh i would love i I think it would show some conviction and some character if he did show up it's like the i agree world invitational and and show like i've got a lot of game and i'm gonna go finish top 20 in this event you're phrasing their 12 most deserving uh you know as we know that may not be the metric by which the teams are necessarily chosen right i mean deserves got nothing to do with it sometimes Uh, and and maybe you know a very subjective case right zach johnson may say he is one of the 12 most deserving for this this and this reason and they may be well-founded reasons but you know that's the overriding argument so we'll see i i I think there is a a benefit to maybe just sitting at home saying look how well i fought and battled down to this last little lip out at the uh 18th hole to make the playoffs I, i i'm not saying that's the 
that's the bold way to go about it or the, you know, the courageous way to go about it, but maybe it's the, the strategic right way. I think you're describing the most likely outcome. And I, if that's what happens and he's picked, I would be disappointed with that outcome. Unless all these other golfers who are in contention really don't show anything, but that is the problem. Like we've already mentioned, none of these golfers have left no doubt. Like there's, you, yeah. If Keegan didn't get picked, he can't say it's it's a complete yeah. it's hogwash. Like, unfortunately, yeah. no one's earned it that way. Yeah, there's going to be some guys pissed off and smack. Uh, you know, may, I don't know if there'll be accusations, but I mean, imagine if Patrick Reed was still on the PGA Tour and like like he's just not even an option, right? I mean, he's totally removed from that. Hey, but, this could all be moot uh, if some somebody sh- like shreds it at the BMW, right? Like who? Like what? Keegan or somebody Keegan, like that? A Burns, a Finau. Finau. If Bryson yeah. wins the live event next week by five, like <laughs> I, we got to let things play out. Yeah. Uh, one pick that doesn't disappoint me and always delivers is every morning when I go to my cabinet or my fridge, I have my little canister of AG1. I get a little scoop. I drop that AG1 in my shaker bottle. Pour some water in there, shake it up, boom, bingo, bango, bongo, chug it. It tastes good. Uh, even if you're you're dubious of that, I can promise you, taste just just fine. Get you going in the morning. It's a foundational nutritional drink. Um, it's part of my routine every morning now. Kind of provides me with the nutrients, supplements, vitamins that I need. I don't have to worry about chasing this, that, and the other, looking at labels all day, worrying about am I getting enough of this or enough of that. I know this is a good base to start the day, improve my gut health, my overall health, my energy. Um, If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, try AG1. You get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first first purchase when you go to drinkag1.com slash shotgun. That's drinkag1.com slash shotgun they've been a big supporter of ours all year uh i would just try it use that url try it you get the travel packs it's a good nice little addition uh if you're trying to be health conscious each morning a good pick um all right do you want to do any other Ryder cup debate is there any out anything outstanding for you i i we've got three weeks more or less to yeah, shake but- out i i love having it i love having the options where it's not like you just fill out the automatic points, guys, where it was, I think, in, in Wisconsin, it was just like, oh, the next four guys or whatever it was, five guys, that's your choice. I think just not getting anchored to, to picks at this stage is important and letting things play out. Golf changes quickly, so let's let the me- next month play out. And on that, only other thing that I had in my notes, I knew at the end of this year there were going to be some golfers who regretted not showing up to more events and... Justin Thomas is probably kicking himself a little bit over like, Hey, why didn't I play the Sony open? Of course I've won before I lost. Like I could have finished 30th there and made the playoff. Like this was the year to play as many events as you could fit into your schedule. So I think there will be some of those regrets, not just from Justin, but from other guys who finished between 71st and 77th on the list. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. You think about, you know, this, lip out at 18 or the bogey on the par three where he kind of rolls back, gets gusted and it rolls back down the hill. And like, you can do that <clears throat> really through all sorts of throughout the year. Right. And, and the, we get the microscope on this last sort of Sunday of the regular season That's to that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fewer, fewer, yeah. More opportunity. There's no to penalty to showing up bag points. Yep. Yep. Um, 
to that point, I guess, where are you on, on like you talked about most deserving of a pick, like where are you on three days in Rome and, and whether someone plays well or does not well being evidence proof positive that they deserve the spot on the team. I feel like that it plays well on Twitter. Like when JT goes, whatever, two and O to start or, can't find the club face like people i think both sides both ways go too far right 100 and also with draw distinction record is even less informative yeah. because you can play really yeah. well and lose your match so how somebody plays is certainly contains some information about whether or not they were a worthy pick but uh I wouldn't just look at it and say, well, this person didn't play well, therefore they weren't deserving or take the other side of that argument. And I definitely would not say that because somebody went three and O they were for sure a great pick that you got to see like how they actually played in the tournament. Basing we base way too much off of Ryder cup records. Sometimes you play yeah, well right, and you get beat. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. That's like pitcher records sometimes, you know, major league pitchers. So, um, all right. Sunday Wyndham, uh, championship. We should talk about it just for a second here. Lucas Glover wins beats Russell Henley. Hey, you want to talk about equipment aids seeing Lucas Glover and Benny on all Mm -hmm. of a sudden just rocketing back up to the top. Like Lucas Glover has talked about, I mean, uh, an elite, one of the great ball strikers and swings uh, of this era this last whatever 15 years a great tee to green player struggles with the putter literally has said it's taken like this the tall putter the long putter i don't it's not anchored um has taken out the ability on the what the tappins is what they there was some pretty damning quote along the lines of bryson and uh it's not as severe as that but it's interesting to see that but lucas glover has been a totally new player since he put the tall putter in his bag if you watch a lot of professional golf, you know Lucas Glover's stroke from short range has looked really jabby and uncomfortable over the last few yeah. years. Probably his whole career, but especially there have been some clips over the last couple of years that have been kind of those Will Zalatoris ones you see sometimes, but like even worse and jabby. He put the <clears throat> putter in play at Memorial. And I mean, since then he's had he's played in eight events and has positive strokes gain putting in three of them, but just a market improvement over these massively negative putting events he had leading in quick, quick change. And it's been drastically improved results. So yeah, that's a, can have that discussion too about equipment and those long putters with Ben on and Lucas Glover. They're not the only ones. Aaron wise, it helped him out a lot too. And he changed. I saw you complaining about the bad break discourse with Russell Henley. So we get this two-hour rain delay. We were ready to pod. You got to go here soon. But we were ready to pod, and you got a hard stop. Um, And we get this two-hour rain delay. We come out, and Russell Henley, you know, the same divot, the thing with JT, rolls off the front at the par 316. It goes in this sort of – I mean, it's like a – it's a ditch more than a divot. It was a big cavern. Um, And then he – you know, punches out of the side of the hill at 17 and gets a t- chunk of mud. It bounces once and kind of embeds or not all the way, you know, gets some quote unquote bad breaks. Lucas Glover got a nice bounce on 18. Uh, what was your angst about the bad break discourse that Henley's just, he's put himself in bad spots to get those breaks. Yeah. And I think I've been frustrated, not frustrated, but in general, there've been a lot of golf tournaments where people aren't stepping up and winning them. Like Brian Harmon stepped up and just won the open championship mm-hmm. pedal down won it 
This was another one that the golfers in the mix kind of were throwing up over themselves a little bit after the rain delay. And Russell Henley yeah. came oh, yeah. out, missed a putt on 15, hard putt, hit a bad iron shot on 16. It rolled into a divot where people had been all week. That that was a known like yeah. divot spot. It had yeah. been an issue kind of all week. 17 flares a tee shot way outright, like way outright. And got a free drop, by the way. And then <laughs> yeah. he hit one into the bank that had some mud on it. That's what happens when you hit bad shots. And something interesting about that situation that I think should be called out for all of the people who got upset with Patrick Reed at the farmer's insurance for picking up his ball, putting his hand on his ball before a rules official had gotten there. Russell Henley did the same thing. He picked his ball up to see if it was embedded. It wasn't. He, He was arguing, how is this not embedded? He ended up handling it fine, but bad breaks. I mean, those are bad golf shots. Yeah. So he, he, I, he kind of gives it away, and we had a race to the join the uh, Swedish Pancake Club between Henley and Lucas Glover. Glover joins the stack officially with the five, his fifth PGA Tour win. They count the Funai Classic at the Walt Disney World Resort, so we're going back to old school fall series in 05. U.S. Open in 09 at, uh, at uh, Bethpage. <clears throat> Wells Fargo, John Deere, and Wyndham. So he's won twice now in North Carolina, um, the Wells Fargo. So he's a five-win player, long-time tour player. He went nuts on the tour changes this this week. I don't know if you saw that, or he's just I like really it. thinks it's 70s too little. It's ridiculous. Um, I just like, I mean... I'm not naive enough to think sports sports is a business now. It's all about money. And we're seeing that with college football consolidating around the people, the, the brands that drive the money for TV. And pretty soon, you know, the sort of hangers on those conferences are going to start getting a lot less of their cut too, of Rutgers or whatever it is. So that's coming next, right? Um I would like to see sports like still be sports, but part of golf is like 70 is like a legit cutoff for performance. It's not just rewarding like star power and money makers and, you know, revenue drivers, I should say. It's like a, it is still a meritocracy. And it feels like between like Lucas Glover being worked up about this um, and others just pissed off about the lack of the the potential schedule changes and the cutoffs. It's still a meritocracy. Right. And you'll have that ability next year. I'm a huge fan. So the events only having between like 70 and 80 players, the elevated signature designated, whatever you want to call it. I'm a huge fan of that. So I disagree with Lucas Glover because it does reward the players who make it to the top 50. They're guaranteed a spot in all those events. And it creates these levels play better, right? Play better. And if you just extended it and have these events being 125 or 120 players, 144, then making it to the top 50 each year wouldn't mean as much. So I'm a huge fan. I just wish these events had cuts. I I think all these events should have cuts in them, uh, maybe with the exception of Century, Kapalua. But um, don't don't agree with his take that 70 is too few. I think it creates some interesting levels. He was pissed off about that. He's, He's popping up. I just like think like, he, I, this is what I, where I was getting at. He's a five-win player. He's a pro. He's so good off the you know tee to green. Had his card forever. But like 
his feeling on things can't carry too much weight. He doesn't drive the revenue or the the engine that is the PGA Tour. He's a he's a long time a legit pro and a five win player. But his like there's going to be guys pissed off, and that's fine. But part of the problem is there are too many voices maybe that have had too much of an outsized influence in the past. Is that fair? Oh, I agree. And again, it's always, this is like a, a classic thing, whether it's a, an organization of players or social media, like just how many people are actually outraged, right? Like just because yeah. one person complains about something doesn't mean you overhaul the vision. So I respect We're, that he wants to voice his opinion. He's not doing it anonymously, which I like. He put his name right. to it, but it doesn't mean you have to change right. anything. Where'd you land on the 70 cutoff for the playoffs? Like today, you seem pretty into it, the the Wyndham. I think JT obviously had an element. If the 71 is, I don't know, it's JJ Spawn and Ben Griffin between those two, probably a little less interest around it. It's still appreciation for that achievement of getting to the top 70. But uh, JT certainly put a little fuel into that whole cutoff debate. Big fan. Um Obviously, still want to see reform in other ways, like to the tour championship. But I think the top 70 designation delineation is great. And I think players next year will see like, hey, I shouldn't be skipping. If if I'm torn between skipping an event or playing in it, I'm going to play in it. And that should be evident from seeing what can happen this year. So I'm a huge fan. JT finishes 71, rose eight spots this week. Adam Scott finishes 72, rose nine spots. Uh, I assume the tour and the you know, BMW or whatever FedEx next week would like to see those two instead of 69 and 70 JJ spawn and Ben Griffin. But like that's the system and it's earned the points are earned, whether you could have played more or could have played better or combination of both. Like that was available to you. Uh, Lucas Glover. I think Cam Davis was the other one that was like safely on the bubble, played his way seven spots up to safely get in. And then Lucas Glover obviously jumped from, 112 to 49. So I think that was it. I think he's the only one that came in. Um, and Austin Eckro dropped from 70 to 74. So that's it. I, I liked, I liked the cutoff. It, it added a ton of juice and obviously JT played a big part of that. Um, elsewhere in the world of golf, we should just note, uh, we, I did note Celine Boutier wins again on the LPGA, taking the freed Scottish open at Dun, uh, Dundonald. Then we go to the major last women's uh, last major of the year. Next week at Walton Heath, she seems to be in good form. That's kind of the unique aspect of these major runs. Like if you're hot, she can, I don't know if she's going to win three weeks in a row, but it's a good time to play well is when you have major stacked on top of each other. You see that with the seniors quite a bit. Um, that was good coffee golf. On the KFT, still ongoing out in Utah, Christopher Peatfish, one of the great names in golf, leads Roger Sloan by a shot. Out in Utah, Sloan looks like he still has like three three holes to play. So I think that's fish on golf after channel. a fish burn, fish burn lost in the playoff to Crow, yeah. right? But yeah, it's a good, uh, good, uh, yeah, good run for the Pescatines, I suppose, on the uh, KFT. Um, all right, I think that does it. You got Wait, anything else? That what? You completely buried the lead. What? What? What do the following names? have in common brendan i can't believe are you serious what brooks kepka brooks kepka yeah. nick taylor matt wolf scotty scheffler and tyrell hatton 
Oh, is this Aeon Risk Reward Challenge? Aeon winners? Risk Reward Challenge. Tyrrell Hatton won it today. You know, I saw PJ Tour Com's tweet about it this morning, and it was like Steven Yeager, who like kind of remarkable. Speaking maybe to I don't know your play a lot, tee it up a lot, uh, benefits that Steven Yeager, one of my favorite players, maybe the all time goat, KFT goat, classic kind of foray, good, pretty, really good player. All of a sudden, he could win this thing. I, I needed PJ Tour comps to tell me how it could be done on the last day of the regular season with an eagle at whatever it is, fifteen. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I didn't. I, I'm not familiar with Steven Yeager's work this year to put him in such a position. Um, Tyrrell Haddon feels like someone that pl- probably played well enough across enough events, uh, but he's your Aeon. Who are those again? Kepka. Wolf Nick Taylor, Matt Wolf, Scotty Scheffler, and Tyrrell Hatton. They all get Tyrrell Hatton gets a million dollars from this. I mean, that's a pretty good collection of players from the last five years, right? Well, Brendan, so the way the Aon Risk Reward Challenge works is it's based on your average score to par on the Aon Risk Reward holes, right? So, the, yeah. Would you would you start skipping like Riviera because the tenth hole is, plays over par and it's the Aon Risk Reward hole? Oh, try See to like really tell. See, I mean, is... if you're a Jaeger type, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, you know, whoever, somebody in the designated or elevated signatures tier, you don't. But a million bucks is a million. We're talking about John Rom's quote. These guys don't have a pot to piss in if they're, you know, 150th. Meanwhile, you know, they do have that guaranteed stipend, which is very hard to trigger, right? That, that new... It's very hard to trigger. You really got to tank. But I mean, I'm sure you could provide some data boy counsel to somebody like this. It's kind of a 4A guy if they want to look for a million dollars. Obviously, I'm kidding about skipping Riviera, but it is a little bit ridiculous. And, and the whole Aon risk reward challenge, like thinking of Tyrrell Hatton sitting on his couch to see if Steven Yeager was going to eagle number 15 today, like not even playing. I wonder if Aon <laughs> does view this as a successful campaign. Well, you could have a guy just lean all the way in and be like, I'm going to be the Aeon guy. And then all of a sudden you end up with like a Sam Ryder deal too. be like, look, my entire season and reason for pro golf being this year is to win the Aeon risk reward challenge. And then Aeon loves this. They get behind you. You're in their big risk management commercials and things like that. Maybe you maybe this is a play if you're a guy looking for for some for some buzz. If you're having a bad day on a Friday. And you're yeah. you have a putt for bogey on the Aeon hole. Do you just pick it up and walk off and withdraw? <laughs> you're not going to make the cut. A, Why put a score all, down? WD. There's all sorts of calculations. You could, this could, get this could become make it interesting. I'll tell you what, it's more interesting than the graphic of the Comcast Business Tour top ten they put on the broadcast today. That just said, "Here are ten guys who are not here this week." And nobody's moving and nobody's going one way or another. And these are the 10. And I don't know why we have this thing. Maybe we terrible. should just have one more branded list and then everyone would start showing up. <laughs> well, don't don't threaten them. They'll they'll do that in a second. So all right. I think that does it. I, I don't know if I hit every leaderboard here, but uh that does it. You gotta go. You got a dinner you gotta get to. Thank you for subbing in on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening here. Uh finding the edge is the newsletter. To, to check you out and on twitter what's your official handle is it just your name just my name 
Joseph Lamagna. Okay. And we'll read your work on the Friday as well. All right, Joseph, thanks for hopping on. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Brendan. It's fun. (laughs) 